Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. I am your host. Today, we have Vince Pakowski. And Vince is a newcomer to the OCR scene, but he is a bit of a veteran in the endurance space, running really fast times as a collegiate athlete and as uh, just right out of college, has PRs of 14.17 for 5K and 52 flat, basically, for 10 miles. So Duke can run, and he's getting into OCR now. Uh, after a victory in the best ranger competition. So this was a really interesting conversation because we kind of dove into the idea of how to take hit, like a, a skill set that seems to line up for OCR, but doesn't translate right away and figuring out how to take all those pieces and then modify it with training so that he can get his best results possible. So this was a very training forward podcast. So if that's what you're into, that's what you're going to get. So we, Vince is super smart, really well thought out about it. And we talk a lot about the ins and outs of how to improve, what you could potentially do, and then just a lot of ideas and a lot of concepts around training. Um, so I love the conversation. I thought it was uh, lots of great information for you. So I hope you enjoy it. Also, it ended a little abruptly. Uh, Vince is out in the mountains in Arizona and a uh, storm came rolling through. It was just lost reception. It was just like unmanageable by the time it, it was over. So uh, it's going to have a kind of a hard, weird cutoff around an hour, but gold, gold up into that. So let's just get it. Vince Pukowski. All right, we're on. Vince Pukowski, my guy, what's going on? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I'm excited to get you back on. We talked a little bit before, uh, like shortly thereafter, your best ranger competition win. And since then, um, you know, it's a huge accomplishment coming off of that. And it seems like you've had your sights a little bit more set on obstacle racing. And uh, we've been chatting recently about, you know, the best way to kind of approach it. And you've been touching at some different distances and trying to kind of figure out the best way to take the fitness that you have and then translate it into the OCR space. And and like uh, like I mentioned before, I mean, and if anyone listens to that episode or are familiar with the with the BRC, it's like this huge, long, grindy event. So like, there's a lot of like ultra endurance aspects and you know mental acuity and just like figuring out different tasks and, and getting it through. It's like very resilient, much like OCR, but just like much longer. But you also have a very high end running ability. And we were just talking before we started, and you uh, told me your your PR is fourteen seventeen in a five k, which is like absolutely elite. So you have this big wide range. Now we're trying to figure out like how is how can we take these both these things and translate it into obstacle course racing results, right? So when you're looking at this and how because it seems like you have all the pieces already, um, but in the couple of races that you've had, it's been like there's been maybe some some mental errors, maybe and just like not necessarily knowing how to to do the races yet. Uh, but the results they haven't come immediate, um, even though it's still super early for you yet, but. So when you when you like think about OCR, like what is it that right now you're like kind of wrapping your head around like how to do it? Yeah, so I think as as a runner, um, we have a tendency to run very much within like our our metabolic system. Um, and when you're training for any distance, what you're really trying to do is is delay the pain that you'll experience till the very last moment, so that you can you can uh, maximize your result. Where I think I'm finding the biggest difference uh, with OCR racing is that that is not the case at all. Um, it's very much more of a red line sport from start to finish. Um, and I think as a runner, as a, as a pure runner, that's a very unfamiliar territory, especially um, with my, my preferred disciplines were always, you know, 5K, 10K, um, longer stuff on the road. I think you would see individuals have more success that are coming from that 800 meter or 1500 meter background that hmm. that are more familiar with the feeling of redlining immediately and just trying to hold on to to the race um yeah so i, th I think as a, a runner that's been focused more on longer endurance um road work you try and delay the the heart's uh, willingness to go to to the red line um and that's where I think, especially in OCR, you need to become more of an athlete that's uh, able to run in the their red space uh, for a longer amount of time. When I did the uh, the sprint in the Super in Jacksonville, what I noticed was, you know, 800 meters into the race, I'm already really redlined. And now it's who's going to uh, decline the most in capability while they're at their red line is, is kind of the uh, 
the niche uh, capability that that I'm seeing uh, in order to be successful. So now it's just, just trying to find ways to introduce stimulus that can get you there in training so that the body recognizes the uh, the stimulus. And it's so interesting, right? And I agree, because I think for a while when I was first coming into this, it was very much what you were, what you were saying. It's like, they're like just kind of delaying feeling bad and like by doing that by improving fitness you know that's how you get better at a 5k or a 10k right like yes there's definitely gonna be a point where you have to grit your teeth and, and kind of push beyond where you're comfortable pushing but like you can just delay that through training and just kind of raise your threshold so that you can go a little bit faster and feel comfortable while doing that and I always relate that to fitness and I tried to do that for a long time in OCR. It's like, I just need to be more fit. I just need to be more fit. But, uh, the way you laid it out, it's, it's, it's a perfect like explanation for that because it's not always necessarily about fitness directly, but making the fitness be in line with the, the race itself and, and figuring out like what you need to feel, which is strange, right? Because like coming from an endurance background, it's like, we know there are workouts that are going to elicit a certain response in terms of your energy systems. And they're like research, they're studied, they're like documented. But in this, it's like you kind of have to be a little bit more intuitive about it. And I know that you're you're more of a, a tactician when it comes to figuring out these kind of things, especially when talking to you about uh, some of the, uh, the best ranger stuff and how you spend a lot of time like working on specific things that are that were skill oriented to make sure you can kind of raise your ceiling. So then when you look at like figuring out the fundamentals and like the skills or like the stimulus that you need to do for obstacle racing, like where do you, where does your mind go first to like try to try to introduce that that type of stimulus and training? Like what do you think is going to be the best bet? Yeah, so th- so that's kind of what I've been working on right now, because from the outside, when, when you haven't done an obstacle course race before, it makes sense that the individual with the fastest foot speed should win. Because at right. the end of the day, there's so much running between obstacles. And then you get there and you quickly realize that, well, the guys that hold the fastest PRs are not winning races um, or not yet. And I think it's because we haven't necessarily figured out how to adapt those stimulus. So the first thing really I'm looking at is is capacity. Um, in your threshold, uh, and your ability to move in and out of that threshold pace that you've established while introducing a new stimulus. Um, so that could be, hey, trying to hit a threshold pace and then doing a sandbag carrier, or a threshold pace into some sort of burpees, some sort of activity that's going to, uh, change the way your heart's reacting because it's super easy for your body when you're running lactic, uh, threshold pace. Uh, to default to that metabolic system that it's comfortable with. It's got a, a, a pretty steady rate of ingestion for your, your sodium, for your glucose. And then the second you introduce a new stimulus, your body's trying to figure out how to compensate, uh, and deliver that new energy, uh, for that stimulus. And I think like anything, it's teaching the body to do that. So I think that's one is, is trying to learn that, that stimulus of that high impact, um, almost anaerobic hit in the middle of a, of a lactic threshold hit um hmm. and it's hard to simulate on just your feet yeah and that's so when you're talking about like that lactic threshold and then working in that zone you know there's a couple ways that I, I figure you can kind of approach that right you could have it dialed into like the pace itself right and like know like okay my lactic threshold is 520s over miles or whatever or hmm. it can be based around like feeling do, have you been able to kind of separate or like kind of figure out the both of them? How do you do with the feeling of lactic threshold versus like the the like hard analytics and metrics around it? Yeah, so that's something I've had to adapt to out here. So I recently moved to Arizona. All right. I'm living up at 5,000 feet. Um, I'm at the foothills of, of mountains out here. So almost all the time you're either running uphill or you're running downhill. It's super hard to find just like a, a flat area to run. Um, so my, a lot of my threshold work has turned from, Hey, this is the, the pace specific, uh, work I, I have to put in in order to run these certain times to, Hey, this is what the effort feels like. Um, and this is where the heart rate is at. Um, mm. and so I've kind of had to adapt more to the, the heart rate side of training and to the feel side of training. Um, because there are, uh, there's one road out here. It's called Heritage Hill. They call it and it's two miles long at 4%. And so, the first time I ran it, I was like, why am I running, you know, 
8.30 a mile right now in the middle of my long run. That's not typical. And it was because I, I was not used to the stimulus. I was not, I was not used to running at 4% for two miles continuously. Um, and so it's, it's been that new introduction of, Hey, it's okay to get away from the pace as long as you feel that that system is still working. That must be awful. That must feel like, like, Oh, I'm just super slow now. I was not yeah. slow last week, but on this run at 4%, you probably almost like you kind of know, you kind of know it's a hill, but. And especially at an altitude, that has to be just brutal. Um, it's it's not been fun. When um, so like, but that's an important piece, right? He's like figuring out how you feel because on the race itself, in an obstacle race, you know, a lot of times they, they might be at altitude. You might be going up or down most of the time. You, you know, you're slugging through mud or like something that is just really not conducive to like where you know, like what the pace is going to be. The pace is almost irrelevant. Right. It doesn't, it almost Mm -hmm. doesn't even matter. It's helpful for training for these reasons. If like it can be predictable, but like moving into like the feel of things, has that been hard? Like I've, I feel like I've been doing threshold things for so long that I can kind of understand. I, I I can, I kind of know what it feels like. And I, I always say like comfortable, but hard. And that kind of makes sense, but that could be like a range between like, you know, marathon (laughs) pace is like comfortable, but like it'll get hard after a while. And like, yeah. you know, a 5k pace could be comfortable for like a quarter of a mile. So it's like, it's still kind of a weird, long range of things. Where, how would you describe it? How would you figure out, like, how'd you tell somebody where the threshold is? So again, and like, like you kind of alluded to, it's, it's distance specific, but the big thing I look at is if I tip further than this, it will not be sustainable for whatever the goal is, right? So if the goal is to run an hour at that threshold pace. And I am running a pace that feels that that difficult to maintain, but doable. But I know that if I give it an extra five seconds mile, an extra 10 seconds mile, I'm going to crack at mm. some point. That's kind of the, the pocket I, I look to sit in for the majority of my workouts, whether they're, you know, if I'm doing mile repeats, I want to be at that point where I'm pushing the envelope. But I'm not at the point where the next rep, I'm not going to be able to hit the same, same time. I haven't cracked that five to 10 second gap where my heart rate's going to go up. It's not going to recover. There's going to be too much, you know, fatigue built up in the legs in order to turn over again. Um, and it's, it's going to cripple you for the remainder of the workout. So I try and ride that line, uh, that's just before almost unsustainable for that duration or that, that interval. Yeah, sometimes you got to go there though. Sometimes it got it has to go yeah. over, so you find out where that is. It has to kind of hit you kind of hard. Have you ever done any like the testing? I've never done any like real hardcore testing around like figuring out where my threshold is. I just I typically go off of pace and then feel. Um, have you ever done any like those tests like where you might do like I don't know forty five minutes at a certain pace where you do sit at a point and then you can kind of run at a certain pace. I think you can do it on a treadmill. There's a couple different ways to kind of go about doing it, but you can kind of sit at a pace. And if it, if like your heart rate goes up like one or two or like comes down, like when you play with the pacing on the treadmill, that's kind of how you can figure out where your, your heart rate threshold would be um, based off that. Have you ever done anything like that? Yeah. So in college, we had a a pretty decent um, like sports medicine uh, school. And so they would bring us in all the time to do uh, random testing for their their master's thesis or their mm-hmm. their postdoctorate work or, or whatever. And so we we would do a threshold test at the beginning of every um, season that it was a treadmill on two percent incline, and then kind of as you said, uh, the pace is just creeping up, and it would creep up in like three and a half minute increments until mm-hmm. you could no longer. Uh, match the pace. Was, it, was this from, with them? Was this with a mask or no mask? Like this isn't a VO two test, right? This is no, just, no. This was not a VO two. Yeah, they they started it slow enough so that it wouldn't tax your VO two system. What they were testing was over time how do how does your legs uh, react, and then they would do like a blood pull at the end of it to, oh, they to would. measure acid to lactate. Blood. Interesting. Yeah. So, huh. but what I've always found too is that those tests are are super super small snapshots in time, right? And I think as runners, we get kind of inundated in all these numbers, like your your max VO2 or your lack of threshold or 
you know, and, and they start to tell you the pace that you should be running at any given time, that your easy run should be this, that your threshold should be that, and your interval work should be, you know, this other thing. Uh, but I think what I've always found is, although that gives me a snapshot, it doesn't tell me how my body's going to react on any given day to stimulus. Right. Um, and so listening to it and, and understanding that, hey, I can run easy, and easy today might mean 7.30. Easy next week might mean 8.45 in order to properly recover. Or, hey, I'm going to hit intervals you know, tomorrow. I'm going to shoot for hitting my intervals around 4.30 to 4.40 pace. But if it doesn't happen, then I have to be comfortable with you know hitting the, the 4.50 or 5-minute pace and realize that I'm still getting some sort of work in, but the neuromuscular system, for whatever reason, is not firing like it should. Right, right. There's other systems to take take into consideration with that. And sometimes I do just get, I get worried that there's better ways to kind of go about figuring out all this stuff, like with technology and with metrics. But I always lean back to what you just said, that it's like, yeah, it's, an, it's, an, it's, it's something and it's good to kind of have those ideas or have hard metrics to see and you can kind of test with and test against them and then uh, just use it to your advantage. But like using it as the, the end all be all it's just like, doesn't make any sense. Just cause like, as you said, like things are going to change based off of like your training and your nutrition, like all of the, the different things. And, and I don't necessarily even think, and like the metrics that we have available aren't very accurate. I don't believe like, at least like the, the home, the user ones that we have, you know, the smartwatches or whatever that I, I always try to remember that. It's like, ah, these things aren't even that good. One time, one time I got one of those, uh, I got a lactic test done where I run an 800. And then they'd prick my finger and then they would take the blood sample. Then I'd run another one and they'd have a heart rate monitor on as well. And so they'd be able to compare the, the, the blood acid levels to the heart rate. And then it was supposed to give you like specific targets, but and like each 800 got increasingly harder. So it'd be like mm-hmm. the first one due in three minutes. It's like the next one due in 245. And then just like until you were just completely out of gas. And on my second one, which was really easy, my heart rate like spiked and then they still took the data and like you, and then it was, I just got these results back that were unusable. I was like, these, this is yeah. a heart rate where I, it either this heart rate monitor is not accurate. And because like now the information that I have, I can't get my heart rate to that place in training ever. <laughs> so like even things when you go to a lab and have it all scientifically down, it still like doesn't always like play out the way I want it to freaking play out. Um, yeah. So we're talking, we're talking, spend a lot of time talking about the threshold. You mentioned that before. It's like, okay, if I can figure out where my uh, lactic threshold, it, like work at that lactic threshold, spike it, get into something that might be uh, uh, something in that lactate turnover or something that gets a little bit anaerobic for a little bit where you're kind of having to use a system that's going to work for a much shorter amount of time. And then kind of getting back into that threshold. Like, what's the idea behind lactic threshold zone for you as opposed to I mean like even less even like going making a lot more aerobic work and then moving into something that might be a threshold like is it just like what made you decide that the lactic threshold is like the place where you want to spend the most time yeah so for me it's it's twofold one i know my body responds super well to that stimulus of training um if i go back through all my training logs the times that i've, I've found the most success is when i've really focused on that threshold system um, and for whatever reason, that's, that's what gives me the most bang for my buck. And so, so I keep going back to it. Um, but two, at, at least what I'm hoping, uh, will work out is, um, if I can extend that threshold into a, a faster and faster pace that is able to handle these anaerobic hits, uh, one after the other, then I guess in theory, you should be able to, uh, you know, utilize leg speed, um, in order to overcome the, the other competitors obstacle efficiency or, um, the fact that their heart rates aren't spiking during obstacles. Um, and so I'm kind of trying to use my fitness to compensate for the fact that, Hey, I know that, uh, other guys are going to be able to descend faster than I am. I know other guys are going to be able to get through a Z wall or a Olympus faster than I am. Um, but what I'm really trying to rely on is, Hey, when we hit, you know, hills or when we, when I've got some flat terrain to run on that I can either make it up or surpass, surpass the, the, uh, advantage that they've built on their end. Yeah. And that makes sense, at least for now, especially as 
because there is something to be said about experience with this. I say this all the time, but I, like I'm starting to think that there might be a, like an, a linear progression that comes based off experience that people have in these races. And it's like why the people at the top still like remain at the top. It's like you just keep getting better at these races somehow just by based off experience is so much different that you could do. So at least while you need to like get that experience under your belt, it makes sense to want to try to just get as fit as possible. Um, let me ask you about the like improving that threshold pace um, in terms of like your personal experience when you had it. Like so when you got real fit and ran out 14, 17 and even like ran like, you know, 52 flat essentially for, for 10 miles, which is again, which is basically right below that threshold pace is running a little bit faster than what your threshold pace would be. Do you find the best results in that overall, like, like the threshold zone when you're working more on like the strength pieces, like doing longer, grindier things, or does it respond better for you when you're doing like faster, shorter speed things? Like what, what props up your lactic threshold system more? Yeah. So I would say it's, it's the longer grindy things. I have always my typical progression, you know, if, if I'm looking to really build my, my threshold is, is I start with a, a broken tempo concept, right? I'll do, let's call it two by two miles. Then the next week, uh, a three mile and a one mile. Then at the like next week, marathon pace a, with like the tempo a, that. Yeah. At about a half marathon pace and then move into a four mile tempo. And once you've been able to handle the four mile tempo, then I basically repeat it, but I start at like two by three mile tempos mm -hmm. and then a three and a two and a one and a three, you know, and, uh, or a four and a two until I've gotten to that six mile mark of, and that threshold continually feels, um, as it should, uh, sustainable over, over the given pace I'm, or the given distance I'm trying to work towards. And by building those workouts week after week, um, I find that just my system reacts super well. It's almost like it knows, Hey, this, this is the pace we're trying to run. Um, and last week we managed, you know, two by two mile. And this week he's asking us to do a three mile and a one mile. And the body kind of knows how that feels and it knows how to react. And you're just testing it a little bit more and continuously just pushing the gas a little more. Um, in order to build over time and, and, um, and in that, then it, it feels comfortable when, when you go over to racing and have to, have to hit that pace or, or try and maintain it. Yeah. So just like, and because it's still, I mean, it's very aerobic, right? So like you feel like you can build your aerobic engine big enough and that helps your, um, it helps like fend off your, uh, like body's, wanting to get into that lactic zone like just based off of like aerobic strength pretty much yeah i think i'm what i'm trying to do is just delay delay the inevitable uh, degradation that's going to happen uh when you reach a certain pace at a certain distance right and by breaking it down into manageable chunks and building to that bigger chunk it just makes it feel more sustainable over time yeah. And it's, it's what I've always gone back to. And, and when I'm writing, you know, my week progressions, it's what I've always written in. Um, and it's, it seemed to, to work. And again, once I get within four weeks or three weeks of a competition, I kind of stop that progression because it takes a, a pretty heavy toll on the body in order mm -hmm. to continually try and match and then go more into, you know, some, some VO2 or, or interval style work, uh, in order to sharpen the tools. But. Mm -hmm. um, and would that look like? I'm Go ahead. I was gonna say, is that what look like eight hundreds or miles? Yeah, yeah, that's that's breaking down into miles, eight hundreds, four hundreds. Um, you know, I, one of my favorite workouts to hit on the track is like a sixteen by four hundred, uh, mm -hmm. where you're you're trying to hit, you know, just below five k pace uh, on on a pretty tight recovery. Um, those things my body responds super well to, but not if I don't have an aerobic base behind it to. Mm -hmm to a weather the storm that, that those things are going to bring on like your, your muscles, your bones, your tendons, um, and, uh, B give you the, the strength to manage the workout over time. Your legs aren't reaching fatigue before your heart does. It's your heart. That's then the limiting factor, uh, for that workout. Yes. Interesting. So, okay. So you always, so the crux of the workouts are always going to be the, tempo type work and you can sharpen up pretty quick 
with yeah. things more be like sub 5k, just maybe above 3k type of pace, be able to race at 4k or something like that. That might be like <laughs> yeah. the speed that is necessary for you to get that, those good r- results that, that kind of play out. Hmm. Yeah. Cause I like to go even faster. Like I like, like I like the, I don't, I can build enough aerobic based on like easier runs. And if I do enough volume, I can kind of maintain pretty well on like on tempo type stuff. So I like to stay like right in that threshold zone where I'm doing like, you know, miles or mile and a half at like that threshold pace. And then I then I kind of crank down even lower than I I get down into like mile or 3K pace. That's where I respond best is like really sharp, faster stuff. So my legs Mm -hmm. kind of catch up to the aerobic piece because that can kind of fall fall behind pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. Um. So what do you, how do you figure, so now when we're looking at OCR, right? So these are all things that work really well for say a 5k and it makes sense, right? It's almost like linear. It's like build this big base and then sharpen up and then it all kind of blends together and like you're ready to perform. Like it doesn't, like you're running sub five, these, these splits at sub 5k pace, um, the 16400s, that workout must be a grind. <laughs> that, that probably is oh, yeah. not very fun. Um, how much recovery? Like a hundred, like, like hundred or 200 meters. Yeah, like a two hundred meter jog between. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. then, and then like, and then it, it's all blended together, right? And then you're able to kind of perform well at like a five k. So say now we're looking at preparing for um, a beast distance, which is kind of where we're at now. We're, we're looking at like, Seattle, which what day is Seattle again? September eleventh. September eleventh. So soon. So now you you built a really good base of fitness you've had a couple really impressive workouts now you're at altitude too so like you're really kind of cranking along and now we got we're trying to figure out like okay what are the pieces that we need to kind of put together and how is it going to look with this idea of like working at threshold spiking spiking into some anaerobic stuff and then coming back into it so what are we what are you thinking for like how you're going to try to blend these things together the and to get the results like the way that you would have done in like your specific training when it comes to like a 5k or something like that so how where where now do you think you need to kind of put it put in place yeah so i think i i have the base for the last eight weeks i've been sitting between 60 70 miles Mm -hmm. um so the the volume is there um and i think now it's the same thing i would do for a 5k right it's about sharpening the knives uh the big question i've asked myself recently is how do you sharpen the knives for for something you know that's that's more ocr based and what i've i listened to the interview that uh uh hawk called it after he ran in utah and one thing that really stuck out to me was that his dad has a repeatable workout uh, that is a metric um that he can measure like measure success against or progress Mm -hmm. against um, and I have those on the track. I have those on the road that, right. that I know if I'm hitting this, I'm capable of, of that. And so it's trying to figure out what that repeatable workout is going to be, um, you know, especially in this setting. What I've kind of dabbled in is, you know, starting with mile repeats and, and some sort of exercise between, uh, in the next, uh, next week, I'm going to do 800s with some sort of, uh, stimulus in between. And then the following week, I'll do 400s with some sort of stimulus in between. Each time working on maintaining a faster pace, uh, but the duration of the workout is going to come down because the intensity is going to uh, rise. Hmm. Um, so, for example, if I manage, you know, uh, about 545, 550 per mile, and then with stimulus in between for an hour, now I might be looking at, you know, 520 to 530 pace for those 800s with a stimulus in between, but I might only do, you know, 45 minutes of that work just because it's going to be much more intense and then move into, you know, 400 at five flat pace with some sort of stimulus in between. And again, bring down the duration of the workout to maybe 30 minutes of work again, because that intensity is going to be significant. Yeah. And one thing to consider is that like when you're shortening the amount of like repeat in between the exercises, like you're going to be doing like a carry or something, right? Are you going to do the same like exercise each time to make it more predictable? It's like, I know there's different, there's gonna be different stimulus on the, on the course. So you kind of need to figure out how to practice all of them. But for this like specific progression, like, are you planning on doing like one specific thing in between or what are you thinking? Yeah, so I think I'm going to stick to uh, 
like the the sandbag carry in between yeah. um just because i think it it's something that can really spike your heart rate um it's something that's still going to work uh like your legs your energy system your lower back all all the little muscles you need in order to to stay strong um and then i think what i'm really looking at is creating this this progression of you know miles to eights to fours with workouts in between but given a like a max distance concept over that time so that in the future i can repeat these workouts Mm, um and progression you know when i go to the next race so i know that i did you know mile repeats into a quarter mile sandbag carry with 100 pounds um for max distance an hour and i completed just under nine miles of work so if Next time I can do, you know, 9.2 or 9.3, then I know, okay, I've, I've improved my ability to, to handle these things. But because it's still something new, I'm trying to establish that baseline of, of this is what it looks like right now. That was just what I was going to say. You're, you're, you're creating a baseline now. It's not necessarily like you're taking this baseline and, and, um, like this progression and trying to improve over, uh, each, workout as it descends because i mean you kind of could like just based off the intensity it'd be like you know sharpening down starting at you know miles and then 1200s and 800s right and it gets a little bit faster and like it progresses and your speed gets better so you figure you're you're faster you're ready for a a different like race and you're able to hold some type of uh, semblance of the volume but with this you're more establishing a baseline so that you can come back to it later on yeah yeah and again that'll depend on you know if if I go to Seattle and something, you know, doesn't feel right or, or it didn't go well, uh, then I can look back on, on these three weeks and say like, well, what in these, you know, last three or four weeks didn't prepare me for that. And then I can make adjustments there. On the flip side, if it does go well, then I know like, Hey, I've got now a program that I can implement three or four weeks out from, from big races that give me measurable metrics, uh, to this new stimulus. Um, and give me, you, you know, the confidence to then go in a race and say, I know exactly where my fitness is. So I know exactly what I can manage and, and kind of the feel that I can manage for, you know, a beast or a super or a sprint. Yeah, this is a great approach, especially now as you're just getting into it to kind of like figure out and layer this in. Because like with this sport, it's real easy just to kind of do random stuff and just like hope you get it like and hope it kind of works out differently this time or or next time and just like make little tweaks here or there or add in a bunch of stuff or take out a bunch of stuff. So I like that you're like creating some sort of measurement now. But that's the the thing with it is like the only thing with having some sort of measurable um like metric like this or workout like this is that the courses are just different. You know, it's like hard yeah. to tell like okay, you did this workout at uh this hour long workout at altitude on or at wherever. And then you go to someplace like Seattle, which is like the trains would be all different. The weather is definitely going to be different. Like it's always going to be a whole different thing um, that it's just, it might be hard. Like, so I'm just thinking it's like, okay, maybe this, it will be good to figure out like what the, how it relates to each distance. But that's one thing that I always get like wrapped up in. It's like, okay, I need to prepare for a race like Tahoe, but like, it's the only race that's like that. <laughs> it's like you only get yeah, one crack yeah. at that kind of race, you know. But yeah. with with that starting now and having those metrics and creating this type of framework will be much nicer to kind of come back to and be able to see like in previous years and like kind of review things and, and kind of move forward, which is really smart. Um, but I, yeah, and I think too, we're kind of hitting on the same thing in that you know you have a repeatable workout that that can give you a metric of where you're at. But that's just one workout during the week, right? So then mm-hmm. when you're preparing for a Tahoe or, or a Seattle or a Jacksonville, the remainder of your work around that can then be, you know, specific to that race. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've, I've been spending a lot of time on, on uneven terrain, uh, you know, trying to improve my ability to descend over technical terrain, climb on technical terrain. Um, you know, find some, some sloppy patches when I can find them in the desert and run through, uh, the workout I did this past week, I did on a sandy trail, uh, to give, you know, that feeling of your, your feet aren't quite responding the way you want them to. They're given every step you're taken. Um, 
So I think, you know, you, you use a, a predictable metric to just gauge your overall fitness, but the rest of that week is kind of built around the specificity of attack force. I see. So it's like you're developing your skill elsewhere and like your capacity is, is dictated or is at least, uh, quantified through this repeatable metric. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good. And it's good that you're keeping it simple too. It's like, let's not go crazy because sometimes it can be like, okay, let's add in a bunch of stuff. And then <laughs> kind of return, like it's harder to return to. Um, so I like that. I like that. How's it been with getting, cause this is, that was something with the technical terrain was really hard for me to wrap my head around too. It's just like, I want to just be able to run and like run on like uninterrupted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so how's that been? How's that process been of like trying to run through sand and technical yeah. stuff? It's been super humbling. Um, you realize that like your fitness can only get you so far. Uh, the one big thing I, I realized when I went up into the, the stadium race in Arizona is that people have a, a different, obviously everyone has a different aversion to risk, right? And the risk you're willing to, to take. Um, but I think, uh, it's still a trainable skill. Like in, in the stadium race, guys are skipping three or four steps at a time. Um, while they're descending across steps. So I would catch up with dudes on, on the climbing of, of stairs. And then cause I'm running every other and they're running every third or fourth step. They're just yeah. naturally getting further ahead. And what that is, is, is it's a, a mental aversion, you know, for risk. And I think it's trainable. And, and if you continue to repeat on difficult terrain or continue to repeat on a, a difficult surface, you become more more spatially aware and confident that, that you can manage that train. But for me, it's just been uh, trying to expose myself to it um, more and accepting that, hey, I, I might not be running as fast as I want to on my easy days or on, mm -hmm. on some of my uh, other runs. And that's okay because I'm training a skill that over time I can match my fitness to. And when those two things then hopefully eventually meet, you know, you, you can become more dangerous out on the course. It as silly as this sounds, like this reason is why I stopped using Strava. Like I have it still connected, but like I just didn't want. Like I would still think about what my Strava was gonna look like. It's like, it's like yes. oh, I need to, I need to yeah. be like running on ro on slippery rocks and like scrambling around, and it's gonna look like ten minute pace. And like, do I have to yeah. explain this on Strava? <laughs> it's yeah. so so dumb. I think all the time, Elliot Kipchoge needs to get on Strava. So he can show people his eight to 10 minute mile pace for, you know, two, three hours at a crack for his easy runs and then show like, Hey, when he swings the hammer, he swings it hard. And when he rests, he, he rests. Um, yeah. I think one of the most interesting things I always think about is, uh, when Galen Rupp first went to Kenya, he came back and said, like, I was shocked by the fact that like easy days were super easy. And when you weren't running, you were laying on your back. Hmm. And so I think like, you know, in, in our culture, it's because we have social media all the time, it becomes very hard to detach the, the two things of like, Hey, you know, I can be successful and run eight minute, nine minute pace for my easy days. As long as when I'm, you know, doing my quality work, I'm holding myself accountable to, to that level of quality. But I do the same thing with my Strava. Any easy day, I don't even turn on my watch. I just take like the time of day that I start and I run. You know, an hour and a half. And then I just kind of assign it a distance based on feel. Um, and I put it in my Strava just to kind of manage, uh, you know, the amount of time I've been training for the week. But. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Going, changing it to, to time has been really helpful as well, as opposed to mileage too. Cause again, that's just a metric. It's a metric yep. that you kind of chase. It's more like for vanity. It's like, oh yeah, I ran 80 miles a week and that makes me feel good about myself because that's like something that's, cool to me um when it really doesn't matter and that's yeah. it's and, and to me i had that same type of problem when it was uh because sometimes my if i my, my easy pace will in, will be faster or better when i'm in better shape and so it used to be mm -hmm. like this uh like metric of how fit i was and sometimes i'll hear that from people they'll be like well my goal is to make eight minute pace feel easy on my easy days and it's like it's such a strange goal to have like your slow days be faster <laughs> than, than yeah. they are now. It's like, no, your slow days are supposed to be slow. Like, don't you, shouldn't you want like your, be able to hold like six minute miles on your fast days? People just want to run a little bit fat, a little bit faster on their slower days. Um, 
I think it's just because like it's it just feels productive. It's just a way that it and you know we get I used to get so tied up in like every single run meaning something, and it mm-hmm. does, but not not always in a like a, I'm more fit because I ran this way. It's like oh I like the the recovery piece is just so much more important. But the same thing with these needing to do these workouts that are a little bit out of a comfort zone or going slow or going on the, on this on a scrambly nasty wet terrain type of thing because that's what's going to translate the best um so you seem to be like thinking a lot about how to improve this what do you think and like the mental aversion piece is definitely real so what's your thought on how to get better at it just like doing it or like what do you think you need to do yeah i, I think a huge thing is exposure um i i think back to you know in the army um i've been forced to to go to airborne school and jump out of a plane. I absolutely hate heights, right? But, you know, once I cleared, you know, my 23rd or 24th, um, it becomes more, um, more routine and it becomes less anxiety out on the trails. You just have to expose yourself to it over and over and over again. Um, you know, if I look at like a Ryan Atkins on Strava, that guy is always in the mountain. Mm-hmm. He is always on technical trails, not running super impressive you know, paces by, you know, a road metric. I mean, he puts down incredible KOMs across the mountains, but he's just got time in the mountains that volume. That, yeah. Volume in the mountains, experience in the mountains. And, and it comes through when then he hits technical terrain. Um, he's just comfortable with it. It doesn't bring him, you know, anxiety. He's not second guessing his foot placement. Um, he, he's, you know, in, in tune and in touch with where his feet are landing. And I, you only build that through through time on your feet and that's where you know i think everybody throws around the term like junk miles um or like uh you know just extra volume to get in extra volume um but that those you know super slow deliberate miles uh can do a lot for for a skill like descent or climbing um just just getting your body time um and trying to catch up to those other people that have have such a greater amount of volume of that task than you do. Yeah. Um, and the only way to practice it is to get out on your feet and to, to do it over and over and over again. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I was going to ask you about like the, your military experience with that, because I'm sure you've done a lot of scary things. And then it's like, then when you get to like a stadium steps or like a downhill, it still feels scary because like you haven't had the exposure. Does it, have you felt like that some of the the exposure you've had to like getting over something like jumping on a plane does translate to this, or is it a whole new fresh start every time you need to like expose yourself to to some new type of like mental barrier? No, I, I think it translates in that it gives you kind of a uh, um, like a template to work off of, mm-hmm. right? And to to understand that you know the anxiety you feel about any any fear or discomfort can be you know conquered or or worked against just through through time at that thing is there anything that you've learned along the way that helps speed that up like is there anything else with the template that like helps maybe reduce the amount of exposure that you need for it or is it always kind of just like you have to take your lumps and spend your time there i think i'm just gonna have to take my lumps um because this is a a different um, stimulus. Uh, and I've become so comfortable with the roads and, you know, the track that it's unwinding a bunch of, of, uh, I don't want to say work, but, um, of what the, what feels natural body, you know, mm-hmm. because I've ran on the road and the track for so long, it's one foot in front of the other. You're, you're running a tra- generally straight line. There's not a lot of, uh, uh, dangerous things out on the road to avoid so you can fall asleep you can mm-hmm. turn your mind off lately and you can just you know work on your breath and on the trail i can't do that mm-hmm. i i still have to very much keep my mind on and i think when you keep your mind on that's when you, you start thinking about the, the level of pain you're in or the level of discomfort you're in or you're you're thinking so much about your feet that your pace is going to slow down because um you're not doing what's natural to your body. So all of a sudden you're diverting energy to, to thought instead of action. Right. Cause it costs energy, right? Like we want yeah. it 
to be like that muscle memory, right? And, re- and wiring these movement patterns is to become more efficient because it costs energy to think like the same energy that would uh, be directed to your muscles. Like it's all glucose and that it takes yeah. to run your brain saying that runs yeah. your muscles. So like, that's int- like, I, I never thought of it that way, that that might be why roadrunners have a hard time with OCR is that they are forced now to think more. It's like the energy yeah. that they're able to save from their stride being efficient on roads that makes them so fast might actually be a detriment. Like they might not have that saved energy because they're thinking so freaking much to try mm-hmm. to to try to mitigate the damage on these trails. Well, and I I think about my my uh, partner during the best ranger competition, Alistair Pease. He at the time of competition, for example, he ran uh, around four forty for the mile. And I was in a uh, like 417, 418 shape for the mile, right? So there's a considerable difference in that fitness, right? But if you put us on an obstacle course, um, the Derby Queen, 20, ob- 20 obstacles in one mile um, and just go, he would beat me every time. And when I finally stopped to watch him go through the obstacles, I realized it's because he did not, he didn't care of the consequence that could possibly happen if he fell. Or if he, you know, misplaced his foot or he, you know, threw his body the wrong way. He didn't care. He cared about getting through the obstacle as fast as possible, regardless if it was the, the easy way, the hard way, the scary way, or the safe way. Um, whatever was fastest is what he would do over that obstacle, right? And I had that mental barrier of running up to an obstacle and being like, ooh, I'm 30 feet in the, the air right now. Um, I'm going to, you know, make this transition between obstacle A and obstacle B a little slower because I'm worried about the consequence. And I think it's the same thing in OCR. You just have guys that they, they don't think about the consequence. They're able to shut off their mind or that, that little voice that says like, Oh, you could get hurt if you, you do X, Y, or Z. They're able to shut that off and they're just able to focus on turnover or, you know, their breath or their heart or the important mm-hmm. things for performance. Yeah. Someone once on a trip, uh, pretty accomplished trail runner one time said to me that roadrunners just need to turn their brains down and then (laughs) it just like will be it's easier to run and i that was something i took with onto the trail a lot it's like almost using it as like a mindfulness practice right is like when coming up with something technical just kind of focusing on like the feel of the ground or how like or like the the feel of the air as i'm breathing in as opposed to being like thinking about like oh crap this is going to be really hard to get through and a little bit scary just like really <laughs> trying to like stay within myself and just like literally like not think, just like staying present in that moment. Um, but it's easier said than done because that, that shit is scary. Um, is there anything that you found helps move that process a little bit faster, like with your experience of being exposed to scary things? Or is it just the same every time? Do so you just have to take your lumps? I think you can move the process faster, but it takes like deliberate thought and action. Um, right. So you're deliberately out on the trails. Then when you're not on the trails, you know, still trying to process through your mind, like, Hey, what did that section of trail look like? Mm. I'm a, I'm a huge visualization guy. So if I, if I can sit down and just visualize like, Hey, that section of trail looked like this and I ran it in this, this manner. Right. But thinking through like hey my my feet went here i can recognize you know like where some rocks are on you know some trails that i typically hit and then you can start building like the the pad bank that's like hey i i recognize this pattern i understand this pattern and when i see this pattern in a race or in competition my body can react to it now obviously that's not like a a perfect system because there's infinite number of of patterns on the ground all it's over like the world. Different but, every time you go to a same one. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like if, if you build a, a bank of these things, um, and you can visualize your, your way through them, then over time you kind of build the capability to take on a, a new task. Yeah. I, I love that idea of, of visualization. And I know in, in my past, like, uh, when trying to learn how to do like something in CrossFit, like a ring muscle up, I actually figured out how to do that in my brain before I figured out how to do it physically. Right. It's like, you yep. can think about how to do it and know all the cues, but thinking how to physically move through it is just different than like the actual like steps that you might like, read off of a blog or something. Um, yeah. And something I've been doing recently with my 
like pre-race practice has been like sitting with a journal and like actually writing out every part of the race. It takes forever, but like I'll write <laughs> out like the first mile was like this. It felt like this and, I, and actually being like honest with how it feels not like, oh, I feel great. Oh, I feel great. It's like, this sucks a little bit. Like it's feeling like burning here or there, but whatever, whatever. Um, so it's very deliberate that type of practice when, when you're, t- when you're talking about trying to like the visualization that, that you practice, is it deliberate or is it just kind of like daydreaming like, when you have a chance to think about it? Are you thinking about it or what's that look like for you? No, it's, it's deliberate. Um, I think all, all those, those little synapses that, that are being trained, it almost has to be deliberate for it to be effective because otherwise you'll trail off into something else and you'll yep. forget what you, you were focused on. So if, if I'm sitting down to focus on it, it's going to be pretty deliberate. And a lot of times I'll, I'll do it when I'm stretching. Um, mm after my workout because I still have, you know, time to, to stretch. So while I'm sitting there, I'm just kind of rehashing, you know, what went well, what didn't, um, what can I do better or what did that section look like and how did it feel when I descend? Um, uh, like a week ago I was descending and I felt my hips were tight and I had the, like the thought came across as I'm thinking like, why did that descent take me so long? And I, you know, came across them. I think my hips were tight and I've been, you know, focusing for you know the week on loosening up my hips. And on Friday, I'm going to go try and tackle that descent again and see if that made a difference or not. But I think it has to be deliberate in order to get the feedback you're really looking for. Yeah, because that's one of those practices. It's like that it's it can be so passive, but it does it, because it is like you're kind of doing nothing. You know, you're just mm-hmm. like sitting there thinking. So it's real easy to just push that off because it's not like a, a, a tangible task in front of you it's like okay now it's done it's just easy yeah. to look like steamroll over that with other with other tangible tasks um so i like that it's like an, an important thing in your brain um so it seems like that you're really putting a lot of time and effort in into this and so like the the, the thought around it and how to train for it um why do you think why you do why you doing ocr like you have a good like you probably have some good like you're young you have some, you probably could still do some, have some PRs on the road or the track, maybe, um, you know, like your, your, um, career in the military is going well in terms of the competition aspect there, but like moving into OCR, like what is it about OCR that you like? Yeah. So I think, um, the number one thing I like about it is that it affects my fitness. Um, you know, in time I was a hundred and like when I ran in college in the year after I was 135 pounds, 140 pounds, um, I couldn't lift heavy. I couldn't squat, you know, I could barely do pull-ups or push-ups. Um, and what I'm finding now is, you know, I can throw 375 on a deadlift bar and I can pull it, you know, my weight's up to, to 160, 165. I can do, you know, 20, 25 pull-ups at a given time. And, and I, I like the way that that feels. Um, and so while I've traded, you know, some speed on the roads, uh, what I've gained is, you know, just strength and durability. And I actually feel the difference in my training as well. Uh, with the increase in strength and, and power, I can feel it in my stride. And I think that there's still like a meeting ground to be met. Um, and that's why I've put a, a marathon on the calendar for December is to, to see like, Hey, with this increased strength and power, can I still get down to, you know, the level that I want to get to over the marathon distance, um, hmm. maintaining a, a little bit larger of a frame than I used to run on, uh, but relying on that strength and power to, to push it through. Oh, so it's more like an experiment, this marathon. Yeah. The, the, the marathon coming up is, is definitely going to be, um, a part ex- experiment, but, but also a, a pretty deliberate, um, attempt for a PR. No, for sure. For sure. It's like you're going to go yeah. after it. Have you done a marathon? Yeah. I've only done one marathon, um, and it was totally unofficial. I put my daughter Aspen in a stroller when she was three months old, <laughs> um, and I ran two fifty seven uh, pushing nice. the stroller. Pretty good. So, I feel like there should be a stroller converter. I bet you could find one. There no, should be. At, I've been asking around about it because every time I push the stroller, especially around here, I'll push the stroller up a hill, and it'll be like a ten minute mile, and I'll be like, no, I guess, six. I guess, I'm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Huh. So yeah, with the idea with the with the marathon, right? Like, I agree. I agree. That's one of the things that I like the most about OCR as well. It's like I like the training. I like the 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 physical byproduct of it. I like that. It, 
I feel better in my body because I'm like I'm stronger and but I can still run fast. It's like I, it's like this this skill set that's almost like rare to have. You know, it's like you, you're not way on the spectrum of like strength athlete or way on the spectrum of endurance athlete. It's like this right, really cool blend that is still can kind of be like elite, uh, like like on the uh, verge of elite on in several things. Um, but the marathon, it's very specific. It's very much like run and then like see what you can do one thing for a long time. Um, so what's the deal? Like you just want to see what you can do? Yeah, yeah. I've I've put off like a legitimate marathon attempt for a while, um, and I I just want to want to get it done. I want to put a number up um, and put something in chase. My dad ran while I was growing up and he still holds the, uh, I took his 50 K from him, but he still holds the marathon and the 50 mile uh, family record. So family record. Um, <laughs> what he run? unacceptable. He ran uh two forty two at Boston. Okay. So okay. Um, I, I think I, I think I can confess two forty two, but you should be able to do better than that. Yeah, he keeps reminding me uh, that it doesn't count until it actually happens. So, do you have him in every other distance all the way up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got the marathon and the fifty mile to go. Was your dad so, was your dad a runner growing up, or did he get, pick, come in? Because two forty two two forty two is a time that you know a runner who had run all their lives and like they'd done the marathon. Like, but it also could be a time from somebody who picked up later in life. It's not yep. so good that like that's actually my PR too. Is like it's not so good that it seems unreachable, but it's definitely good for like most people. Was he a runner? He started running when he was twenty six. He ran from like twenty six to thirty four or thirty five years old. It's actually um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So he was in the army. He had to lose weight uh, while he was in the army, so he started running, and then found out he enjoyed it, he liked it, and, and he was decent at it. So um, he. He started putting mar- his first ever marathon was like two weeks after he started running and he ran like three twenty six. And then um yeah, he'll tell you the story of his ten year progression to his two forty two. By it, race, by date. He's got it memorized. It took him that so, long? It took him like he ran it in his thirties, that two forty two? I think he was thirty one or thirty two when he ran that two forty two, yeah. So it took and him it was about a, six years or so to get there. Yeah. Yeah. With the perfect perfect day at boston so <laughs> but that's such yeah. a good story right like people come in and they want to like get the those results in like the first year but it's not how it yeah. works it takes no. freaking time um yeah. how do you want to how do you think you're gonna approach the the marathon part like what do you and the app so you're gonna do this race in seattle in september and then are you gonna you're gonna shift focus back yep then i'm gonna shift focus back uh uh, to the marathon so it is a, a generally downhill marathon um here in arizona so uh the good news with that is that like squats um deadlifts are, are still going to become incredibly important just to maintain the it band and quad strength you need to run a downhill marathon um over time so i'm still going to hit a lot of squats a lot of deadlifting um a lot of just lower body work to make sure it's durable uh, but I'll probably get away from my upper body a little bit um, and then focus on uh, developing capacity over time. So uh, I'm actually going to be following my dad's training plan uh, going into it, which kind of builds off of uh, mile repeats um, down around 5K pace uh, mixed with some some longer tempo work all the way up to uh, three weeks out. It'll be like an 18-mile uh, tempo will be the, the last thing to hit. So. Um, and we'll see how, see how that goes. You got a pair I'm, of like, uh, you got a pair of, um, like alpha flies or vapor flies or anything? I do. So I've got a bunch of, I've got like four or five pair of the Hoka Carbon X that I use for training. Um, and then I've got a pair of alpha flies that just sit on the shelf continuously waiting to be used for races. So, yeah. um, yeah. That'd be a really cool experience to run a full marathon in them. Cause I got a pair last year thinking I was going to do a marathon cause there's nothing else to do. But they're just great no matter what. I'm going to do a 5K tomorrow yep. and just to put them on. <laughs> I'm just like, I, just, yep. I can't wait. Yeah, they're so comfortable. And they make you feel fast, um, which I think feeling fast is half of the battle. So It's it's so they, true. Yeah, they've done some cool stuff. And like, I just feel like they don't make my, like my legs don't get, t- my lower legs get tired. Like when I start to like feel bad, it's like, 
my feet, my ankles and calves is where I'll like, I don't necessarily feel it any like in my quads or anything like that. My legs don't feel heavy. They just like, feel a little bit painful. Um, yeah. But in the alpha flies, nothing. Yeah. Feels like nothing. Yeah. Yep. Is your dad going to give you uh, grief about that? Is that going to be like, no, contentious? No. I think he knows that regardless of the shoe, I, I would go after his marathon time, but um, I, I I think he'll let it slide. I, I haven't talked to him about it yet, actually, though. So hopefully he, he doesn't listen to this and then he gets that idea. Because <laughs> that's the that seems to be where the long line is drawn between people who are pro and people who are anti, like these super shoes. It's like your pro yeah. super shoes, if you're still running, if you don't run anymore or you're past your prime, you don't like the super shoes because you didn't have them. But yeah. they are yeah. legit. So that'll be, that'll be fun. I'll just want to kind of go after that. Um, yeah. What do you see yourself long term with OCR? So um, my wife and I were actually just talking about this the other day. So I'm kind of using Seattle as a, as a test bed to see, like, hey, you know, can I convert my, my fitness into, uh, in, into the OCR world? Um, if it goes well, then, uh, we kind of talked about laying on like the U S national series, uh, for next year. Um, and just kind of making, you know, family vacations around, uh, and going and, and picking, picking each race one at a time. Um, I think that's what we're kind of using Seattle for. And then, you know, if, if can dabble into the U S national series next year and, and see how it goes, I, I would love to. So, um, that's kind of where we're headed on your question of, you know, why OCR too, while, while we've been talking, I was thinking about it. One thing that, that kind of really attracts me to the sport is um, there's not a lot left for me in running when I think about it. You know, like there's I, I know my capability. I know the people around me capability. And I know that, you know, I'm never going to be a, a 13 minute 5K guy. I'm never, you know, going to going to run, you know, to to compete with those kind of guys. But there's such an unknown to this obstacle course racing thing. And it was so hard um, uh, when I first uh, did it. It was, uh, you know, deceivingly difficult um, and realized that, like, hey, there's this whole other space that, you know, you can still be competitive in. You can enjoy um, that these these guys are going to put you through the ringer, um, you know, to try and earn like a, a spot or a place or, you know, even a top 10 finish at a, at a U.S. National Series is like, you, you better, you know, come ready um, and be perfect through obstacles and, and have a high level of fitness. Uh, so it was a, a combination of that difficulty and just like something completely new to, to throw the, the hat at and focus the fitness on. Because I think without that, I would start to kind of dwindle away from training because there's just not a lot more measurable metrics left. And you can only run so many Saturday, you know, 5Ks until you're you're sick of running you know, the Saturday local 5k. Isn't, isn't that the thing, right? It's like for, for running and for runners who are at like the level of you or I would be right. Like, yeah, we could do like local 5ks that are just kind of like, eh, and like, there's really no avenue for us to be as like, we can be as competitive as we want to be, but it would only be to chase a time so that when like we retire, we have this time next to our name that we can tell young people that we've run before or it's like oh yeah that's a 14 flat guy or something like that like that would be the reason to kind of keep going oh that guy he's a 225 guy like that would be like the reason but it just doesn't i just don't care i'm I'm with you on that it just doesn't seem exciting it's like but like what what could happen if you got real good at ocr what could happen like where would that go where, where could that take you the events are more exciting the races seem to be a little bit more exciting where the road racing and just like the running circuit or like, yeah, like, yeah, like going, going onto on. a track as like a 30 year old racing, like 19 year olds. It's like, this is just weird, <laughs> you know? So I, I like that. I, 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 com- I completely identify yeah, with what you're course. saying on that. No, it, it's one of those things that I think, you know, every once in a while you just need a, a brand new stimulus to keep the training exciting. And I think this, and just, just to see what, what the body is capable of and, and have a brand new metric to, to chase after. It's, you know, no longer the, what's my mile time? What's my 5k time? But time is irrelevant out on, you know, the, the OCR, our course. You can't compare two courses to each other. No one's going to say, well, you know, my beast PR is better than your beast PR because it's, it's a completely different animal given, um, the day, the course, you know, the, the temperature, the effect, the feel. 
Maybe we just kind of wrap this thing up. We got that storm coming. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It looks pretty, pretty brutal. Okay. Why don't we just wrap? Why don't we just wrap this thing up? All right. Sounds good. I do. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Later. Bye. Yes. So you see, that is that is uh, uh, the abrupt ending that I was talking about there. But make sure you give Vince a follow on socials linked in the show notes below. Pretty humble on social media there, but when it comes to races, and make sure you're following the Obstacle Racing Club as we'll give you updates on how he is doing with his race coming up in Seattle and with his marathon down the road. So again, this episode's chock full of content, a lot of cool concepts for you to kind of put in place if it's something that you want to approach. And just an interesting way to like think about how to approach training because uh, it's very thoughtful, very well thought out. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. So if you enjoyed the conversation, hook it up with a review. Five stars would be great if you think it's worth five stars. Write a little something nice if you have something nice to say. If not, no big deal. Just don't do that. Okay, cool. We'll talk to you soon. Later. <laughs>